Hi, welcome to today's episode of Epic Conversations. This podcast is a series of conversations about the issues related to parents and carers living with teenagers in crisis. I'm Madeline, one of the founding directors of Empowering Parents in Crisis, otherwise known as EPIC. And I'm Roberta. I'm a regular member of this amazing parent peer support group. EPIC understands that it's not always possible to get to a peer support meeting or a counselling session, and we want this podcast to be a source of information that parents and carers can tap into when they need it. EPIC acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today and pays respect to Elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this EPIC conversation. This EPIC conversation is with Faye Bird from Lifeline Harbour to Hawkesbury. We've invited Lifeline to share with our listeners what burnout looks like, why parents need to consider how they're feeling, and the benefits of self-care to help those experiencing burnout. Hello, Faye. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, Roberta. Can you please give the listeners of the EPIC conversation an idea of your work at Lifeline Harbour to Hawkesbury? Yeah, sure. Well, um, on a personal level, I work as a psychologist in the clinical services arm of the organisation. So that means I meet people who are referred to us by their GP, who are struggling with their mental health for various reasons, and I work with them to achieve their goals for therapy. But um, Lifeline Harbour to Hawkesbury has many parts to it. And so as many of your listeners might know, we provide free crisis telephone support, which you can access by calling 13 11 14, texting 0477 13 11 14, or chatting online. And these are all available 24 hours a day. And then we also provide community services and education. We conduct group therapy programs. We collect donations. We run shops. And we also do a lot of fundraising. So a lot of lot of parts to the organisation. There's so much going on with Lifeline. And, and Lifeline Harbour to Hawkesbury, I've really just only become quite familiar with that. And it's just a fa- fabulous resource for the community. Um, because the support that you offer is more than phone support, which surprised me. So the work, workshops and the support groups offer therapy and connection and peer support, including, mm. um, so there's bipolar, depression workshops and suicide bereavement, hoarding disorder, managing, managing your mood and so much more. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I also love the book fairs. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> um, it's, it's just a yes. brilliant organisation. So just putting the big word and making a little awareness out there. Um, so, Faye, is burnout something that Lifeline receives much call or information or, like, do people call about it or does it present something else that you're able to help callers or to just people coming to Lifeline identify that they're experiencing burnout? Yeah. Look, that's a really good question, Madeline. Um I don't actually know whether we receive many calls about burnout because I don't work on the phones. We certainly do see clients who are experiencing burnout in the clinical services arm of the organisation. And it's true to say that they're not usually aware 
that they're experiencing it when they first come to see us. So I guess the thing is, is that the symptoms of burnout are basically the symptoms of depression. So when we first see people for burnout, they've usually been referred to us for treatment for depression. Um, now, one thing we do when we start therapy, when we're trying to figure out what's going on um, and we're trying to understand the symptoms and what might have triggered them and what might be keeping them going, is we work with the client to create a timeline. And that records significant events in the person's life and um, that's both before and after the symptoms started. And we also jot down on the timeline corresponding fluctuations in mood. And so when we put all that information together, sometimes what will come out of that is um, that the person is actually experiencing burnout rather than depression per se. So um, I guess the answer is yes, we can help clients identify and understand when their symptoms are caused by burnout. Um, but I should also say that when we use the word burnout, we're actually referring to what happens when we feel so drained by all the stresses that are associated with what we're called upon to do each day. And that might be at home, it might be in the workplace that we become completely depleted and that's on every level. So emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yes, that all resonates with everything I, I experienced, which at the time I thought may have been me falling into a state of depression. Mm. But hearing that and having read and heard a lot of information over the last you know, months or so about burnout was clearly a state of, of complete and utter burnout and absolutely have had particularly the mental load and memory loss and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was yeah. a great summary and I think lots of people will probably resonate, that will resonate with, with them. So what are the symptoms of burnout? And you've just alluded to some, that parents experiencing challenges where their teenagers might be experiencing. Yeah, well, um yeah, so the symptoms are a lot like depression, as you experience, Roberta. Um, but I guess we can think about burnout affecting us in five ways. So it affects our energy, our thoughts, our emotions, our ability to concentrate, as you alluded to, and mm. behaviour. Um, so, I mean, if we think about energy first, one of the things that somebody experiencing burnout might notice is they're starting to feel absolutely exhausted. So they might feel tired all the time, be struggling to get through each day. Um, they might find themselves always waking up tired, struggle to get out of bed in the morning or get going. And along with that, they might find that their motivation starts to drop to do things. Um, and in terms of thoughts, Burnout actually causes us to become more negative, pessimistic, anxious, and cynical. So that kind of then leads to people starting to think like, if they're a parent, they might start thinking things like, I'm a bad parent, I'm a bad person, why am I struggling, what's wrong with me, um, I'm letting my child down, I'm letting my family down this is never going to change. Uh, my child's going to be like that. this forever. No one can help 
um, this is hopeless. And then also perhaps the anxiety part of it might be worrying about the future. So thinking about things like um, what will happen if things get worse and I can't cope. So you've got the energy low, you've got thoughts becoming more anxious and more negative. And then the emotions that kind of follow on from that is those emotions that are very consistent with depression. So feeling unhappy, isolated, lonely, might feel ineffective, empty, angry, overwhelmed, disillusioned, guilty. That's a common one, parent guilt. Um, ashamed, might feel trapped, helpless, hopeless. They're all very normal feelings that people might start to experience when they're um, experiencing burnout. And then kind of coming along with that, um, starts to become difficult to concentrate. It's difficult to perhaps focus or remember things. And then when you put all that together, then that kind of can impact behavior. So parents might notice that they're starting to stay in bed longer, um, struggling to get out of bed. They might lose interest in activities that they previously enjoyed. They might stop doing them. They might start thinking, oh, you know, nobody will want to be around me. I'm, I'm not myself. And they start withdrawing from other people. And then might start to ignore their own needs and cope in more harmful ways. So by that, I mean maybe using alcohol um, or other substances to cope emotionally. And then because of the difficult emotions, then it might impact their relationships where they're responding critically or perhaps a little bit more irritably or insensitively than they might otherwise um, so, yeah, a whole, a whole lot of effects from burnout there. Oh, that is really good information, Faye. And I think the main thing that I get from that is just validating the unhelpful thoughts, that it's not only you really that is having it, it's actually really quite a common thing. And, um, and I was only talking to someone this morning who actually had repeated a number of those, those words that you said and really was that parent guilt and feeling that they hadn't done a great job. And it's not uncommon. And it mm. is isolating and I and and I get it all. So just by validating it, I think that that kind of can help plant the seeds to overcome these feelings. So, so thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, so what can cause burn burnout in parents? Yeah. Look, first, I, I really like what you said there, um, Madeline. I think that is so important that kind of recognising that you're not alone and that other people are going through the same thing and that, you know, all those thoughts and feelings and behaviours are really normal. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah it, it is really important. I know that it actually lifts a weight off people when they realise they're not going through that kind of thing. Mm, I agree. Mm, yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, so what can cause burnout? Well, um, I guess, you know, first of all, it's important to acknowledge that parenting a young person is not easy Full stop. But if you've got a young person who's in crisis and perhaps experiencing mental health difficulties, it it makes it even more difficult. So, um, 
I just kind of want to acknowledge that straight up um, and that it's very natural to feel distressed if your your child your child is feeling distressed. Now, the thing is, as human beings, we all have a nervous system, right? And our nervous system is designed to keep us safe. So it's designed to pick up on cues of safety and danger. And so if our nervous system senses that we are safe, it will activate a part of our nervous system called the parasympathetic nervous system. And that causes our blood pressure, heart rate, rate of breathing to all go down and we feel calmer. And then when this happens, we can feel relaxed, we can focus on doing things we enjoy, we can be playful, we can connect with other people. And conversely, if our nervous system senses danger, it will sound the alarm. So a little part of your brain will sound the alarm, set off the alarm system and trigger a survival response. So fight, flight, freeze, flop. And that's to increase our chances of survival. But this is the really key thing that, that I think it's really important to understand is that our nervous systems are triggered, uh, uh, sorry, are hardwired to trigger a survival response if they pick up that another nervous system close to them is in survival or crisis mode, right? So, so that is an incredible thing. If you your nervous system just senses that another nervous system near you is in crisis mode, your nervous system will automatically go into a survival response. And you'll start, your nervous system will also start to go into crisis mode. So it kind of makes sense, right? The quicker you can respond to danger, the more likely you are to survive. Um, but if we think about what that means as a parent, when you've got a child that's in crisis, if you've got the child going into a survival response, then you are going to go there too. And so you're probably going to be going into flight, so feeling panicky, shaky, overwhelmed. You might feel a need to move. You might feel a need to escape. Or you might go into flight, and that's kind of where you're trying to fix things. You're trying to apply pressure. You maybe raise your voice. You become a bit pushy. Or you might become rigid with fear. So that's where you feel just incapable of doing anything. Um, and because of this, it, it becomes very easy to have two nervous systems that are kind of feeding off each other and creating a feedback loop. So that's where one nervous system's in crisis, the other one responds to that, and then each nervous system's telling the other one to keep hitting the panic button. Does, does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Now, the good news is it's, it, it is possible to develop um, awareness of when you've been triggered into flight or fight. And when you become more aware of that, then you can learn strategies and skills that can help calm your system and manage the situation. Um, but I guess to come back to your question, 
um, to put it all together. If you have a child who's often in crisis, your whole system might well be in survival mode a lot of the time and therefore stressed. And when your system is constantly stressed, and if you never push the reset button, for example, by taking time out to care for yourself, then you're at risk of burnout. Yeah, that makes, makes so much sense. <laughs> Just had in the back of my mind every time my doorbell rang for a long period after the crisis ended, I went into that fight mode. Still happens every now and then, but yeah, that that trigger that just puts you back there and, and the way I've had to talk myself through, you know, the possibility that this won't be what I'm what it used to what it used to mean, which was, you know, the police are at the front door. So it no it no longer means that. It now means that, you know, the groceries are being delivered, which is a much, yeah. a much better response. <laughs> yes. So how can burnout impact the relationship a parent or a carer has with their teenager? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, and I'm sure you know, everybody can relate to this, whether they've had burnout or not. When you feel tired and when you're a bit exhausted, then smaller things that might not normally bother you um, start to irritate you. So, for example, you know, leaving clothes on the floor, maybe, you know, not stacking the dishwasher, um, wet towels on the floor, all those things are much more likely to to get to us. And then on top of that, if you've got no energy and your batteries are completely flat, then you're not so likely to feel like playing or engaging in fun activities with your team. Um, and then when we think about the the kind of mindset that can accompany burnout, then that can end up creating resentment and blame because we're thinking more negatively, right? And so that can lead to parents or carers taking out the frustrations um, on their team. And then what can sometimes happen is that can then lead into bigger fights. So when we're having lots of fights, then that starts to impact the relationship in the sense that trust and closeness and communication can start to break down. Um, I, I, I don't mean to say that that's kind of inevitable. Um, and, you know, we all have little arguments all the time. We wouldn't be human if we didn't have disagreements. Um, that's normal. Uh, and usually we can kind of talk about through that and do a little bit of repair work in the sense of kind of owning our part in it and apologizing and having a talk about it. But that's all much more difficult when you're experiencing burnout. Yeah. And in the heat of the moment, you never quite know like how to react or what's going to happen until you are more aware. So just having it spelt out like that, I think we're all aware of it, but having it spelt out, and the ramifications that it has, it, it will help increase the um, the muscle that we have, I hope, in, in recognising, okay, let's just take a breath here. So, um, yeah, it, it, it really is good to have it verbalised like that. So thank you. Um, okay, Faye, so what is self-care and how important 
is it to help manage burnout? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a word that's used a lot, right? And we don't often really think about what that actually means. But it, it basically, it means giving yourself what you need to stay well. So that might be on a physical level, might be on a mental level, emotionally or spiritually. Um, and one metaphor that I really like to use when I'm talking about self-care is the metaphor of the stress bucket so I don't know if you've heard of this but um, a way to look at self-care is to imagine that we all have our own stress bucket and these buckets are different sizes based on your own particular makeup so you know you Madeline you might have an enormous stress bucket which means that you can hold a lot of stress before your bucket starts to overflow but someone else might have a small bucket. And so that means that it doesn't hold much stress at all before it starts to overflow. Now, so you got the idea of the stress bucket. Now imagine that at the bottom of the bucket, there's a tap and it can be turned on. That, and so when you turn that tap on at the bottom of the bucket, the stress starts to flow out of it and the level of stress in the bucket starts to go down. So basically self-care is the way that we turn the tap on. Um, and if you've got a smaller bucket, then you're going to need to turn that tap on more often to get that level of stress down. Um, yeah, so if we bring it back to burnout, you're more likely to experience burnout if your bucket's constantly overflowing and you're less likely to experience burnout if you're regularly turning your tap on by engaging in self-care. Um, but I, sh I should also acknowledge, and there's been, there's been a bit of research around this recently that's kind of been challenging the idea that self-care is a cure-all. And, and I guess it's important to acknowledge that while self-care is really helpful, um, it's not going to address all the causes of parental burnout. So, for example, if you're feeling like you've got all the responsibility um, for your child's well-being and you're feeling really unsupported, then that's a factor that's going to need to be addressed. And, you know, if you're a young person struggling with their mental health, then getting them some professional support is going to be probably a good idea. So, yeah, self-care is really valuable and it's, it's important and it can help. But we also need to think about some of the other causes for you personally as well. Um, yeah. And also self-care is going to involve different things for different people because we're all different. So, you know, one person might like one thing and another person might like another. So if you hate cooking and you find it a complete and utter chore, then that's that's really not going to be a very good way for you to, um, to take care of yourself. But if you love cooking and it's your thing and you find it really relaxing, then, then that's going to be a good form of self-care for you, if that makes sense.
I love that bucket analogy. It's just perfect. <laughs> it's just such a great visual, um, best description. It's a great mental image and a tool for slowing down and contemplating. So thank you for that. And yeah. I think mentioning the support that, that parents need to seek outside and if they can for their young person as well. And in my experience, it was also important to, to seek support for the sibling because he was part of, you know, the, the trio who who were impacted by the crisis at the time and addressing addressing that as well was really important. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is too is, you know, we we're not we're not um isolated individuals when we're in a family we're part of a system so everybody's affecting everybody else and so this this just you taking care of yourself it's going to be one thing that'll have an have an impact on the whole system but we also need to think about the whole system there and all the factors that are that are impacting you mm, indeed so do you have any simple suggestions for parents and carers of teens to improve their self-care? And I know you just identified that it's different for everyone. However, is there a template that we could work with if we're just starting on this journey? Yeah. Well, look, my my first tip would be to schedule your self-care. So just schedule it in your calendar. Make a time when you're going to do something that's just for you. And the reason for this is so that you don't have to think about it in the moment. You don't have to think, oh, maybe I should do some self-care. Oh, yeah, but maybe I'll do this first. Um, because when you have to think about it, that's when it becomes really difficult because your mind's kind of likely to go into that place where you're going, oh, I don't feel like it right now. Or, um, so that's my first tip is schedule the time and give yourself permission to make that time for you and to prioritise yourself. Um, my second tip is something I alluded to just before, which is to think about your own particular needs and how you might be able to meet them. So have you maybe stopped doing things that you used to enjoy? And if you have, then maybe it would be helpful to start doing some of those things again, something that you feel that you could perhaps manage. Um, or maybe you've been feeling isolated and a bit lonely. And if you identify that that's what's going on for you, then maybe doing something that involves some social connection might be helpful. Um, if you find out that when you you kind of examine yourself and you think, oh, I think, you know, I'm feeling a bit bored, a bit unfulfilled, then maybe doing something that helps to provide a bit of stimulation, like mental stimulation, joining a class or taking up a new hobby, um, something like that might be good. And then if you kind of think, oh, yeah, I have been perhaps coping in some ways that aren't so good like maybe if you've been 
reaching for the wine a little bit much, well, then it could be good to cut back or maybe to reach out and get some support with that. Um, tip three is to engage each day in at least one activity that we know is effective to reduce the physical effects of stress, so the bodily effects of stress. And it doesn't have to be a lot. So we can think about micro dosing. So it could just be five minutes. And some things that we know are helpful in um, achieving that are things like exercise. So just to walk around the block, um, mindfulness. So this involves, um, yeah, there's a, mindfulness talk, is talked about a lot, right? But often we don't think about what that involves. So mindfulness is really when you are um, really connecting in the present moment with your experience. And so noticing what you're doing, noticing the things around you, noticing um, maybe what's going on inside you and doing it in a way that is curious and non-judgmental. So not thinking about whether it's good or bad. And just a few minutes of mindfulness every day can be really helpful. So it might be going for a walk where you're noticing what you can see, you're noticing what you can hear, you're noticing what you can sense, you're noticing the birds singing, you're noticing the dog in the park. Um, that's a really fantastic holiday for your brain. And it just kind of switches you off from everything else and brings you into the present. So mindfulness. Meditation, which is a more formal kind of mindfulness practice, things like progressive muscle relaxation and breathing techniques that we know reduce stress um, can be really helpful as well. And there's lots of online courses, YouTube videos that can help you learn some of those skills. And I think you've got some resources on the EPIC website. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. we'll be adding to them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, one really simple one that we could perhaps do now if you wanted to that your listeners could follow along with is a very simple breathing technique that you can do in about 10 to 20 seconds that can help you to relieve some of that stress. Let's Are do you, it. You want to do it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... This is a little breathing technique. So what we know, what the science tells us is when we breathe in, our heart rate goes up. And when we breathe out, our heart rate goes down. And so if you think about it, if you can lengthen your out breath, the net effect is what? Very relaxing. <laughs> it's very relaxing. Yeah. The, the, your heart rate will start to go down, right? Because you breathe in, it goes up. You breathe out, it goes down. If you're breathing out for longer, the heart rate is going to go down. And so that's going to be counter to your heart rate going up with stress. So what we're going to do is just try to lengthen that out breath. So we're just going to kind of 
I'm going to invite you to breathe out for as long as you can until you feel all your tummy muscles starting to tighten up. And then when you get to the very end of the out breath, you're just going to release your tummy muscles. And what you'll notice is when you release the tummy muscles, the in-breath just comes in by itself. You don't have to force it. You don't even have to think about it. And your body will bring in as much air as it needs. And then we're going to repeat that. So as long out as you can. And when you get to the very end of the out breath, you'll release the tummy muscles and the air will come back in. Should we give it a go? Yeah. Okay. So, so starting with the out breath. So breathing out nice and long. And as far as you can, you'd be quite surprised how long it takes to get all the breath out when you're doing it nice and slowly. And then you'll feel the tummy muscles starting to tighten up and then just release them. And the air just comes back in naturally. And again, just the breath out. Release the tummy muscles. And again, out, nice long out breath and release the tummy muscles. One last one, out and release the tummy muscles. Okay. So that's just a nice little one. And the thing I like about that one is you can do it anywhere. Nobody knows you're doing it. You can do it in the boardroom. <laughs> you can do it before a job interview. It's a handy little one to have. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I've got six of these tips. So tip four is to be clear about what you are and are not willing to do and set some boundaries around those. So this is a really important one. And I think it's something that a lot of us struggle with, especially when we think we've got to meet everybody else's needs to be, you know, a good parent or a good person. So don't say yes to everything. Know your limits and try to delegate things that, you know, other people can take care of. Tip five, figure out what's inside your control and what is outside your control and then decide to let go of anything that you can't do anything about. So this is another important one because worrying about things that we actually don't have any influence over is very stressful. Um and so just to remind ourselves and to go, hey, is this something I've got something control over? No, well, maybe I should let that one go. And then my final tip is just to take a break if you need it. So if you notice that you're getting stressed, you could maybe take a walk around the block, you could listen to your favorite music have and have a little dance. Um, just try to get the stress out of your system. And then if it's in relationship, if you notice that things are getting a bit stressed between you and somebody else and the disagreement's starting to escalate, then it's it's okay to let the other person know 
that you're noticing that and you just need to take a break to calm down and that you can come back and talk when you're feeling calmer. Um, so, yeah, it's really important to know that it's okay to, to take some time out. So they're the six tips. Schedule time for self-care. Think about what your needs are and how you can meet them. Spend some time each day doing something that helps to reduce the physical effects of stress. And it can it might just be five minutes and that's fine. Know your limits and say no to requests that are, you think are going to push you over the edge. Let go what you don't have control over and take a break when you need to. Oh, wow. Can I just say thank goodness this is going to be transcribed because I started taking notes and then I thought, actually... <laughs> I just want to. I just want to sit and listen to this. It's. It really is really really good. So just um, we we will be putting all your words onto the the website, and really, it's they're just such brilliant tools, and it's and it's great information from from the beginning of when we started talking to you, like just validating everything that that parents go through and families go through, and then I don't know. You've built on it and and given some awesome strategies. I just think that this is like like gifting parents and carers to to just be able to take a breath and acknowledge where they are and and who they are as well I think that that a lot of those tips actually um, will help us connect with who we are because you know that can take a bit of a leave for a little while when you're just doing so much for everybody else so I I'm so grateful for, mm. for everything that you've said and and like I said it will be on the website and it will be there'll be a link to it on the podcast as well. So say oh. thank you very much for raising awareness about burnout. It was it's actually a much bigger topic than I expected. And I love that you said that burnout really um is has the same sort of um what's the process of as depression. So I mean mm. if you're in this this crisis mode for an extended period of time if we don't take care of ourselves and acknowledge and see it for what it is then you know it can become dangerous to us to us down the track so mm. um as parents and with lived experience of burnout uh, we understand how important it is for parents and carers to put on their own oxygen mask so i think that you have given us <laughs> a, um, a brilliant brilliant way to to move forward with that and can I just have a bit of a moment of gratitude because I just have noticed for, for myself and I'm sure Roberta might feel the same is Singer's Epic has been around for maybe, you know, just over a year now. We're coming into contact with so many wonderful people within our community. And I just, it's not just, they don't just go and do their job. They, they just, they just do so much more and they, you are cream of the crop. Like, thank you so much for, for giving your time and, and dedication to the community and your commitment to Lifeline. It's not just a job for you. I can sense that and I just feel very grateful. So, so oh, thank you. You're, you're very welcome. I mean, I just had a little thought then. There was just one thing I thought it might be good to add, which is, you know, I think it's important for parents or carers not to think, oh, I'm only struggling because... I'm not doing my self-care and, you know, I should be doing self-care and it's, you know, it's really bad that I'm not doing my self-care because sometimes it's, it's a lot easier said than done. You know, it's really difficult to do it. And 
I would just really encourage people to reach out for support um, because you don't have to go it alone. You know, it's not just all up to you. And so I don't want people to go away from this thinking, oh, it's just up to me. I've got to do more self-care. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's often the last thing that people will do anyway because we want to fix it. We want to help. We want to support our young people. And in the end, sometimes we come to the realisation that we need to, you know, we need to support ourselves first before we can really be effective. Yes. So, so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Thanks, Faye. You're very welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, you keep up the good work, guys. You, you guys are doing an amazing job. Thank you. And remember, listeners, if you need to contact Lifeline, you can contact them 24 hours a day, seven days a week by calling 13 11 14, texting 477 13 11 14 or going to the website to chat. Thanks for listening. A transcript of this conversation can be found on the EPIC website at www.empoweringparentsincrisis.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us via the links on the website or Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. Thank you to West Fund Health Insurance for funding this podcast series. Mm -hmm.